Welcome to episode number six of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you find a career you love, start a business, and generally crush it at life. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and an MBA student in the class of 2020 at the USC Marshall School of Business in Southern California. I've had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched Just Go Fitness and now with Just Go Grind. In this episode, talk with Christina Calabrese, who has done many different things throughout her career and her life. We talk about her involvement in UNICEF, which is her most recent gig, her experience in the Peace Corps, which actually got cut short by a, a bit and go into details about that, work for Sanitation and Water for All, which is part of that UNICEF branch, and we talk about how being a yes person and being open to opportunities leads to many different things, including what she has done, which is traveled to 47 different countries, go over her experience with Save the Children, educational division, education and child protection division, actually, which she traveled for that as well. We also talk about why a master's degree seems so necessary in this day and age, as she has one and I am working on mine. And we talk about why she wants to live in the Middle East next. So adventurous, we go into details on that. And also we get into why happiness is the foundation for success. We actually talk about a lot of different things besides that. So much to cover in this episode. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. Support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, I ask you to leave a rating and review in iTunes. Just click over, leave a rating and review. Very much so appreciate that. It helps more people find the show. Without further ado, let's bring in Christina for our discussion. Hope you enjoy. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You have done so many different things in your career and life in general that I just had to have you on the show and talk about it because I don't think you ever really get the opportunity to dig that deep into someone's life and career without a few, you know, a couple hours or an hour or two to really ask some questions. So I'm excited to get this rolling. Yeah, I'm excited too. <laughs> I'm actually going to start with what you're currently doing um, with UNICEF. Are you still, you're still with UNICEF, right? Or is that, did that end recently? Yeah, well, I was with UNICEF and my contract expired, but they actually reached back out to me and offered me a new one. So I'm in the process of transferring from working for the water sanitation and hygiene division to the gender division. And um, okay. my role is going to be primarily the same, doing program development and event marketing. Um, but I not quite cut out for an office environment. And I realized that after <laughs> spending a year and a half forcing myself to work in an office environment. So I was able to negotiate a little bit and request that I only work three days a week. So I'm going to be working more on a part-time status with UNICEF instead of full-time. Although who knows what the future will hold. They ideally want me to come on full-time if I'm into the idea in the near future. Okay. And the last like, year and a half, what have you been doing exactly with the company? So I've actually been working for a organization that's been hosted by UNICEF called Sanitation and Water for All. And it's a global partnership of over 200 organizations consisting of countries and governments or research and learning organizations or um, external support agencies, et cetera. And it works as like an advocacy platform, um, helping these organizations achieve the sustainable development goals 6.1 and 6.2 in regards to water and hygiene and providing clean water for everyone everywhere. 
So, um, okay. so what, what I've been doing personally for them is more, um, like it's focusing on, on partnerships and, um, and program development. So we, we would provide them with, um, resources like a costing tool to help them learn how to, to help the organizations or countries, especially learn how to finance their efforts to try to achieve these goals or, um, like hosting webinars, or I, I was more in charge of doing, um, We'd, we'd be involved in lots of regional conferences and meetings. And so I would help with logistics on that. It was, it was a lot, but it was good. It was good learning. <laughs> That's a ton. How did you even begin? How did you even get that role in the first place? Or why did you pursue it? I have always loved working in the event field. And so I've always pursued that while simultaneously also pursuing my love of international development. And so while I've worked in a freelance capacity doing event work and event marketing, I've also worked on um, short-term contracts for other organizations like Save the Children or the Institute of International Education or was in the Peace Corps. So kind of simultaneously working on both of these little tracks that I'm passionate about and that kind of aligned well in this position. So I applied for it and was qualified and it was just a phone interview I did while I was actually driving from San Francisco to Los Angeles. <laughs> and uh, right after the phone interview, I got an email in my inbox offering me the, the, the position. So it was a really fun drive down the highway. <laughs> yeah, and then you're just celebrating the whole time. You're like, I'm going to go to New York City next. Okay. Yeah, basically. Actually, I was doing the drive, uh, moving <laughs> all my belongings from San Francisco to LA because the very next day I had a flight to go travel around Europe for a couple weeks. And wow. so I was... It was perfect timing. I traveled around Europe for a couple of weeks and started the job in New York City right after. Nice. And you mentioned being in the Peace Corps. How many months was that? And what was that experience like? <laughs> so I wasn't there for the full 27 months that you're supposed to be there, um, which, which is almost two and a half years, because I had a medical issue and had to be sent back, sent back to the United States. But um, I was there for six months. Um, I liked it for the time period that I was there. I don't think it was a full experience that most people got because some people hated it. <laughs> because it, I guess one of the slogans for the Peace Corps is um, the job that you're going to learn to, the most hated job that you're going to learn to love or something like that. Something about a hate-love relationship with the Peace Corps. And I didn't quite get to that status because I still was kind of in a honeymoon stage with it. But it was also a little tough leaving behind. I left behind a relationship. I left behind you know, all my friends. I left a, like got out of my phone contract, my housing situation, sold a car. So kind of giving up everything and then living in a underprivileged sort of lifestyle that um, I was obviously not used to coming from California. It was, it was tough, but it was good. Tough, but good. What do we... What do you mean by that? So obviously that's a lot to give up. That's a lot to to go through to even get to that point. That's that's pretty crazy. But then you mentioned it was good. Like what did you enjoy most about the few months you were there? It was good because um, it was an opportunity to integrate into a community. I was in Ecuador, so I was able to integrate into a community that spoke Spanish, had this really beautiful culture, a large focus on food and family, the the work that I was doing with the Peace Corps was in regards to education and um, kind of teaching 
uh, teachers about secondary education um, skills and how they can use them in the classroom. And so it was really great to to have that experience and to form that community and get to know um, the how Peace Corps worked also and how the the country of Ecuador and the government of, in regards to education works too. Yeah, and how did you decide that specific location? Was there like was there multiple locations you were thinking about to get going, and then you just like, oh, I'm going to choose this one, or how did that even start? How did that happen? Um, well, you don't choose your location. You can send you them a preference for your location, okay. like a a region like Latin America or the Middle East, but they select the location for you. So originally, when I first applied, I had always known that I wanted to join the Peace Corps. It was like a bucket list item for me. So. <laughs> so when I first applied, I actually was accepted, but I was accepted to go to Papua New Guinea. And after researching, was it? No, no, Micronesia. I don't know. It was some <laughs> small island. And after learning a little bit more about it and realizing that I, I would probably be treated inferiorly as a woman and also be stuck on the island and knowing how much I really love social interaction and, um, enjoy having a kind of a busier schedule I imagine myself being bored on an island and uh, <laughs> like very unhappy so I, de- I declined and it was it's very rare that after the first time you decline you get offered a second opportunity but I reapplied with strong hopes and was offered a second opportunity in this time in Ecuador and it was amazing because I had actually traveled to Ecuador two years prior and was seriously considering moving there anyways just on my own so when they offered me that country I definitely could not say no because it was you know a bucket list item so dream volunteer opportunity and dream location yeah so why would, why would you pass it up you couldn't possibly do yeah. that but knowing yeah. that it was a, a dream a dream destination you wanted to be at a thing a program you wanted to join but how was that leaving everything behind I know other people I'm sure you know move for a job or are debating moving for a job and it's tough to leave friends, family, relationships behind. I mean, were you just, just driven by your mission to do it so much that you just, you're like, oh, I have to, I have to go? Yeah. Or like, how was that yeah, like? I was, I was under kind of using the mentality where I would always regret it if I didn't at least try it. And then also in the grand scheme of things, because I guess you're, your what your focus on is on encouraging people to take that leap of faith for their career and their direction in their life also so in the grand scheme of things two years isn't that long so if you're devoting two years of your life to something that's a valiant effort and a, a great investment and if you end up seeing it afterwards as not very successful it's still something you could be proud of saying that you put everything into it to try to make it into something good so going into it knowing that it was two years, kind of a long time, but also two years, not that long. Um, it was just worth it. And you, sometimes the things that scare you the most are the, the things that are worth the most. So you just yeah. have to do it. You can't let these scary things stop you from doing things. Right. Or you'll just live with regret the rest of your life, it seems like. Yeah, that would be awful. <laughs> no, thanks. I won't do that. But how is that? has that always been like how you have been? Have you always thought that way? Or do you remember, you know, like when you're younger, you're like, yeah, actually, I'm just gonna do what I want. And like, you know, have you always had that belief? Yeah. And it's, it's been hard for me to understand that other people don't have it. <laughs> I've been struggling with this recently with my younger sister. Um, as I 
um, I want I want the best life for her. So I, I keep like pushing and pushing her, and I realize that it's actually not bettering our relationship. It's making it worse. <laughs> and I, we love each other dearly. She's actually living with me here in New York City now, so we're having lots of these head butts. But um, I definitely have maybe when I was really younger, I was a little more shy, but um, but I kind of grew up in a box, not. Not literally, but figuratively. I grew up in a box. Wow, in a box. Okay, Kristen, that's a whole other issue we can talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not in here. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, I grew up in a box uh, figuratively in Virginia, and I didn't realize there was much more out there in the world. And then finally, when I did get to that like maturity level where I was able to realize that there was more out there, I um, started traveling more and I started learning more about what options there were. And I... So I guess ever since adulthood, maybe like 18, 19, 20, I definitely had a huge shift in my mentality where I I think maybe it was spurred by my first trip internationally when I went to Ghana, Africa on a mission trip. And I realized like my whole perspective on life changed. And I realized that other people live in such despair and poverty. And here I am like unaware that that even existed and taking for granted my my middle-class lifestyle in the United States that's actually like I have a floor to walk on and air conditioning and a running toilet. <laughs> so ever since then, I um, and I saw the, the reward in pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. So anything, anytime I've realized that I've been living within a comfort zone, I start to feel antsy and I start to realize that it's it's time and it's time to shake things up and push the boundaries a little bit more and experience new things. And I think that there's only been really great benefits that I've gotten out of experiencing new things and pushing myself beyond my comfort zone constantly. Yeah. And what, what compelled you to do that mission trip? Was there someone that mentioned it to you? Were you pursuing, pursuing that by on your own or do you remember that? Yeah, I was, um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist household. And so I grew up on it with a Christian mentality and belief. And so when I made the full transition from Virginia to California, I was in the church there and I saw this opportunity and I thought I should be a missionary. So like I always had this desire to assist with underprivileged communities. Initially it was with the impression that I was going to be a missionary, but then after I decided that I didn't want to pursue that route and I just actually wanted to assist by providing more like logistical resources or educational resources. um, It's been kind of, kind of engraved in me the whole time. I've always wanted to help people. I always want to just, make a difference. I want to make sure that my life counts for something and that I have some sort of impact. It seems a little silly because in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably just going to end up being like a birth date and a death date. But still, if, as long as I can have a little impact, I think I'll feel satisfied on my deathbed. Yeah. And I think it, it goes a long way because if if everyone would think that it doesn't matter, so they're not going to help, then no one would help. Exactly. You know? And then, exactly. and then nothing would get done. Yeah. So I think that's important. That was, so that was your first that was your first international trip you said was to Ghana, right? Yeah, to Ghana, Africa. And then from there, I know you've traveled a lot, like a lot, a lot. How, how did you decide from there where you wanted to go next and how you wanted to integrate like trips with also a mission? How did yeah. you decide that moving forward? I, I just I just made it happen. I feel like let's see. <laughs> Sorry for the coughs. I'm struggling with a little bit of sickness, but um, okay. I just looked for opportunities. So the next time an opportunity popped up, I was invited to go 
with a friend to Costa Rica just for fun. And so I did that. And that, that was an amazing adventure. And then a girlfriend invited me to go. We were, we were planning to do like another mission trip to Mexico. And then it was canceled because there was like a swine flu and drug cartel problems. <laughs> so we decided to just hop in our car and go anyways to the orphanage that, were, that was expecting us. And so we did. Just me and her, two like five inches, <laughs> like two little girls sleeping in our car oh on the way down to the coast highway. Stopped by like a Costco right before we hit the border of Mexico, loaded up on tons of groceries, and then went to the orphanage and showed up and uh, explained to them. They had no clue that there was like problems with swine flu and drug cartel because it's like in the middle of nowhere. Um, right. So we were there for a little while, and she decided to actually live there for a few months. and. Um, I went back, but just uh, finding opportunities like that, the next long-term opportunity I found was a study abroad option through the college I was attending to go to Buenos Aires. And so I did that and that was also amazing. And so I just, I kept making it happen. The next one after that, where it was more longer term was where I found an au pair opportunity in Spain. Um, so it's, there's options out there. It's just making yeah. looking for them. Right. You just you just make shit happen, Christina. That's what it seems like. Yeah, that's what you I find like. a way. You do. Too. <laughs> I I definitely try. And with that, I always wanted to ask you like all these different opportunities you're pursuing. Uh, I know I asked you a little bit like the last time when you were in Vegas. Um, where are you going to find these? Are you always just constantly looking online for different things that might pop up? Are you just meeting people and telling them, yeah, I am looking for you know, so a long-term position somewhere else or kind of how does it normally happen above. for you? Kind of all of the above. Okay. People always mention how I'm very good at taking advantage of opportunities. I'm, and I also, I'm, I'm a yes person. I always say yes to things. So, and then also just like kind of, um, some people will call it manifesting. I, I don't know if that's the right term, but just like throwing it out there. So if you're always having like your eyes and your ears open, so you're, let's say you're on Facebook or Instagram um, and you see somebody went somewhere you could like leave a comment and then something might happen out of it or um if you're on a group on facebook and you see an opportunity i'll always i'll always reach out and follow up if i hear or see something so um so with the au pair thing i was actually actively looking online for one that didn't charge me a fee and charge the family a fee for um other opportunities i've just seen a situation and um and give made myself available it's yeah just um it doesn't fall in your i don't i don't think things just like fall in your lap you just have to be ready to accept them and be ready to say yes to things when they come your way yeah and with those opportunities like you mentioned all over, all over the world really are you do you have certain expectations you go into that with or are you just trying to see a new place are you just trying to experience a new culture um, what's the why behind that? Because you've been all over the place yeah. and you have these different long-term opportunities. Yeah. So what's the expectation behind it? It varies for me. I have uh, my own set of expectations. So I will like, for, I'm going to Cabo tomorrow with in the morning and like how many hours really, really early in the morning with my sister. <laughs> I was just there. You were? Yeah, like a week or two ago. Oh, we missed each other. First first time. It was great. <laughs> I'm really excited. I've been before, but it's been years and years. So, um, and I've been, yeah, so I've been to Mexico before. I think, let's see, the number of countries I've been to, I feel like only the white girls count how many countries I've been to, but I'm a white girl, so I count this. <laughs> uh, I think I'm at 47. 
47. <laughs> Which is wow. impressive. That's 30, impressive. Wow, 47 countries at 37. I made a bucket list for my 30th birthday, including all of the things that I may have already done, but like a, a comp, all comprehensive bucket list. And if I had created it when I was younger, I would have given myself a deadline of 30 countries by 30 years old. So I definitely exceeded that. They crushed that. Um, my expectations <laughs> wow. for these international endeavors are for me that um, they would be, in, I'd have an enhanced experience somehow. So I don't always love just purely lying on the beach adventures because I could lie on the beach here in New York City. There's tons of beaches. I would get bored. I, yeah. um, I love it when I have opportunities to like rub elbows with the locals or explore the culture or be immersed in um, a good group of friends. So that's, I wouldn't mind like a lying on the beach vacation if I'm with a bunch of close friends, but, um, but I definitely like that for a, um, like there's other things that I mentioned for a recreational and personal experience. And then also for a professional side of things, if I have the opportunity, I like um, finding opportunity. I like having, Oh yeah, I guess opportunities to do social impact if it's possible. So I went to Pakistan with UNICEF a few months ago and that was really cool. And then when I went to Ghana, that was with a social impact, um, the Peace Corps in Ecuador. I was living in Thailand, working for Save the Children. Um, and then other, other adventures have been more like backpacking trips and more fun trips, but um, always looking for opportunities, of course. All, yeah, and all over the place, it seems like. Yeah. So you mentioned the Save the Children International. What was your involvement with that exactly? What did you do with them? So that was really fun. That was probably one of the best times of my life. I was doing, um, what was my exact title? Program and program Development and Quality Consultant. I was working with the Education Division and the Child Protection Division simultaneously. And I was living in Bangkok. Um, I worked primarily in the office and I was, um, whether it was like researching certain issues, um, like there was a huge issue with, with the, well, it's even, it's big right now, the Rohingya population, they had a Indomin sea crisis going on with the Rohingya population being stuck out at sea and the Myanmar obviously didn't want them and the Thailand didn't want to put up with them. So they're just like chilling in the middle of the sea starving and dying and their kidnappers left them and so eventually thailand said okay fine we'll take them and they brought them to shore and then made some refugee camps for them and so um it's really terrible i actually got the op- i got the opportunity to visit these refugee camps on the border of myanmar and thailand and um the situation is pretty awful um and i was able to provide some assessment in regards to the educational programs that were offered which are also terrible, especially because the Rohingya population don't have a written alphabet or written words or dialect. They just have their spoken words. So I had to oh, wow. create this alphabet that we used in the refugee camp, which is pretty cool. I doubt, I wonder where it's used now or if it's ever used, but it, it was pretty <laughs> intense to create like a phonetic alphabet. How'd alphabet. you do that? I used pictures of animals and like okay. food items and that I used the sound clips that it was provided and then I pro- like used the phonetic spelling of the sounds according to <laughs> took a phonetics class back in the day and I had to like do some research to 
make sure I was doing it properly, but it was a fun project. Um, so lots of different things, like things from um, doing some donor reports and liaising with some um, doing donor relations to research, so logistical frameworks. It was fun. Yeah, and when you're doing some, when you're drawing something like that, you get there and day one, are they just telling you this is what we need you to do, or are you kind of pursuing it on your own? Like, how can I help? I can do this. Should I do this? Like, how does that even work when you you start an organization uh, like that? For this one, day one, they kind of had they were overwhelmed with a lot of work, so they said, "Thank God you're here. We've needed you. We needed you, <laughs> and we have these, these three projects that we need help on immediately." Um, sat down, like gave me the workload, gave me some of the resources, and and I just started working right away. And then as time went on, I would, if the workload diminished, then I would obviously notify my supervisor and say, "Hey, I'm doing pretty well with this. If you have something else you need me to help out with, I can." And so I was even able to. At the end, there was um, it was ending the end of the year in December, and there was some leftover funds with one of the donors that was going to expire, and so they needed to use it, and so they allowed or they offered for people to suggest their own program and use the funds. And so uh, myself and a colleague of mine, Laura from France, also interning there, um, she and I suggested a program to folk that focused on like providing some sexual education resources to high school students in the nearby urban schools in Bangkok. And it was interesting because although sex was pretty is pretty prevalent in the Thai culture in regards to there's um, young adolescents, women getting pregnant. And then there's also the, the lady boys in the culture and like the Pong shows. So it's, it's pretty prevalent, but it's just not talked about or acknowledged. And so there's no like um, safety, like educational safety, sex safety provided. So we um, partnered with like local health clinics and put them, in touch with local schools and had them provide some things like complimentary STD testing and condoms and gave them some, um, we had offered some like speaking panels with the students too. It was, it was pretty neat. Yeah. That sounds like you're doing a lot of different, a lot of different things with them. So that right away, they know you want help. They want help and they, they put you to work immediately essentially. And you're like just thrown yeah. into this type of thing. Are you, do you kind of expect that going into it or are you just like, well, I mean, I guess you're going, you're going there to help and you're going there to contribute, but are you just expecting, yeah, I'm going to be thrown mm-hmm. to the fire and have to, have to roll with it? I was kind of maybe a little bit more time to be given uh, resources to learn lots about the different programs and how say the children worked and functioned, but it, I picked it up along the way. So it ended up being fine. Yeah. And I know you mentioned, uh, in the beginning here, you like doing event marketing. You've done a lot of different event marketing. How did you get into that? And your intro, like why the interest in event marketing? I got into it. Just a, a friend was doing it and um, they needed somebody else to work in events. I was like 21 years old. And um, last minute I, I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to. It looks like fun. And then once I worked at one event, I realized how much fun events are and how um, like there's certain industries where people don't love the person they interact with. For example, I don't love my dentist. I don't love going to the dentist. I actually like fear going to the dentist. I just, <laughs> all my life. I think it starts from an early age where 
like they had to pull his permanent tooth out and it was kind of scarring right? oh, anyways yeah. so like i in the event field it's something where i constantly am putting smiles on people's faces everybody loves going to events everybody loves um attending events fun events everybody loves when um brands sponsor events and they're offered um, when the consumers that are attending are offered complimentary products or when the event that is being held is given some sort of monetary sponsorship from the brands. So I've ended up partnering with a bunch of brands that um, that are represented or that host these different events. And so that's kind of how I got started and just worked my way up, started getting involved with more and more organizations and more and more brands and companies. And uh, it's fun because it's most of these brands are nationwide or international. So while I've moved between places all over California or even here to the East Coast in New York City, I've been able to maintain these relationships and still um, work with different brands to sponsor events or partner with events. Yeah. And how are you hearing about new opportunities for, for these different companies or even the companies you do know? Are they just posting it? on their website or anything and you're like, Oh yeah, I'll do another event or how does that, e- how's well, that even work? See. As there's two different sides of this as somebody that is maybe if I were to just participate in an event as just like a, a helper, like just a one-time sort of thing, I would get notified about those opportunities by having already had registered with um, a promotional marketing agency that has these brands as our clients and sends out okay. mass emails to um, their roster of event staff that might be interested in getting involved in those specific geographical locations. Um, now that I've taken on more of a managerial position with lots of these brands and agencies, I am the one sourcing the events and the way that I find events that we could participate in is primarily through like active reaching out. So I'm, I always get, I always sign up for sub- I was, I'm always subscribed to all these different emails <laughs> where I get like maybe five emails a day telling me about different events going on in New York City or LA or San Francisco and um, I, I always scroll through them and I see what might be of interest to me personally because I obviously love attending them myself but also what I could offer sponsorship for so <laughs> for example here in New York City, there's Panorama Music Festival coming up the end of July. So I see that, and I know that I myself want to definitely attend because it's so much fun. I went last year. And then also realized that it would be a great opportunity for, um, let's say, Harmless Harvest Coconut Water, one of the brands that I help manage to showcase their coconut water and get their product in the hands of lots of consumers and maybe have some social media attention or um, other sort of branding available. And so I would then reach out and see if they'd want us to um, get involved. And most of the time they say yes, because who doesn't love coconut water? <laughs> That's exactly right. And when you're, when you're getting involved, like, what does that entail it exactly? Um, Just like yeah, it varies product depending or? on the type of event and what the event organizers are looking for. So for Panorama, for example, um, it's a little bit too large for what we're able to what what Harmless Harvest is able to do currently for our event marketing budget. But and they also primarily want usually want monetary sponsorship and we have a limited budget for that. So depending on the brand, so if it was like Red Bull or Coca-Cola, they could probably do monetary sponsorship and have like a huge footprint there. 
uh, for Harmless Harvest, I would be able to do something where I would provide no monetary sponsorship, but maybe provide product to the artists in the VIP area. And so I would still get the product in the hands of some really clutch people and have our brand mm-hmm. showcased that way. Um, but it's a little bit like smaller footprint, obviously. But then sometimes um, instead of a just a pure product donation, uh, we could do like a little footprint. Um, we're going to be at a poetry festival coming up in two weeks and we'll have um, like an outdoor tent set up and a little table and lots of fun branding and some brand ambassadors out there sampling to everybody. So it just kind of varies on the events. Or let's say I have um, one of my friends is organizing a rooftop party here in New York City on Saturday. And so she would wanted to have Harmless Harvest, but it's only going to be 60 people. So I would just have some product delivered to her and she would have it there for everybody to enjoy and hopefully take some photos and send them back to me showcasing that everybody loved it so it just varies yeah it varies with the, how many companies roughly are you working with harmless harvest is one of them but are there others you're working with right now like in new york city like yeah, you're kind so of on board with um so yeah i help out harmless harvest coconut water and then also spindrift sparkling water which is kind of like a higher end Lacroix. they're entering the market Next week, today, actually, I signed a lease on the storage unit and the parking spot. So next week, we'll be hitting the ground running here in the New York City territory. And um, and then I, so those are the primary brands that I help with uh, partnership and sponsorship opportunities. But besides that, I'll do some one-off events here and there for other brands. Like um, tonight, I'm bartending at an art exhibit for Bombay Sapphire Gin. Um some other brands I work with are more like alcohol liquor brands and are like maybe once or twice a week fun events here and there. So I'd, I'm at the point in my life where I don't, I can pick and choose the fun events that I want to work and not have to settle for some mediocre events. So it's been really fun to get involved with all these <laughs> little exclusive opportunities. Yeah. And you mentioned with, uh, so with your, your main gig with Unicef, that's only three days a week now. So are you just doing these other things around that to fill the time up essentially? Yeah, exactly. And actually it's been pretty cool. I've been able to sponsor some Unicef events too. And so I've been able to, I I feel like I'm kind of giving back a little bit by uh, doing that, (laughs) or I've been able to put product and like there's 14 floors at 15 floors at Unicef. And so I've had some brand ambassadors come into the building and stock all the fridges on all 15 floors. And so it's been fun to kind of integrate those as well. Right. And now I'm gonna, I want to go back a little bit. So uh, going back to college and you got your master's, it's a, let's see, equity and social justice and education. Before you even decided to go to get that degree, what were you thinking heading into that, that you needed? Like, why did you think you needed a master's degree to do what you wanted to do next? Oh, curious about Everybody that. needs a master's degree nowadays. Look at you. You're doing an MBA. You know this. <laughs> I am. It's just, um, <laughs> There's so many benefits. But <laughs> yeah. It's um having a bachelor's nowadays is like having an associate's. I feel like you like meet the bare minimum requirements, but if you're actually trying to get somewhere nowadays, people want to see that check mark next to a master's. They don't actually necessarily even ask you questions like, where did you go to university or what was your major or what was your GPA? They just want to say, do you, they want to see that you have a master's and they want a yes. So that's what I found with most of the, most of the companies that I've ever tried to seek out jobs with. Um, mm-hmm. 
so I just knew it had to happen and I wasn't quite prepared to do it immediately after getting my bachelor's but the timing was right because I also was receiving educational benefits from the veteran affairs through my stepfather he was a disabled veteran so I felt pushed into pursuing it pretty immediately before those benefits expired and how helpful do you think that that was in terms of your growth or in terms of your career, like, like the actual curriculum or people you met through that or other people you still talk to through your, you know, your, your master's degree program? What was the question? Or was how, that how not, was my network like? Like how helpful was oh. that? Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that for most people it's very helpful. For me personally, I ended up uh, not putting as much of an effort in as most people do. Um, I also felt like the programs that I I participated in were very, um, they were very, let's see, discriminative against me as a white female, which is really strange. I would go to class and I would feel guilty about being white so often because I was doing this like social justice and equity course. And I, I really, really wanted to like learn more about like gender discrimination and race, racial dis- discrimination and um, unconscious bias and um, how to, I don't know, how to tackle educational problems in society and in different age groups. And I learned a lot, but, but I um, tended to stay a little bit more quieter in class because there was such an overwhelming strong voice against me as having. Yeah. That'd be challenging. Yeah, it was a little strange. I had never, I had never felt like that before in my life. But it definitely made me very conscious of <laughs> my white skin and my, my advantage, I guess, in this world. Yeah, and you, were you doing? So you said you started like the events and everything at twenty one. Yeah, I think so I was, was also the first working one. So full time while in school. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, so you're also working full time while going to school. How was that experience? I've I've kind of always done it. Uh, grew up. Uh, in a household where my parents had to declare bankruptcy uh, when I was young. And so we had things like uh, turkeys during Thanksgiving donated to us by local churches or like Christmas presents donated to us uh, also from local churches underneath our Christmas tree. So with this kind of financial instability that I grew up in, I didn't want to have that ever be a part of my life. And so I started working at the age of However, like 15 and a half, I think I was able to start working in Virginia while I was going to school. I worked at a place similar to Chipotle on the West Coast, but it's called Moe's Southwest Grill. I don't know if you know okay. it, but we had every time the door opened, I, I had not, to yell, not heard of welcome it. to Moe's. And it was silly, but um, really great. For time. Anyway, so I've always, ever since like 15 and a half, 16, I've always, always worked. Um, so while going to school full time, I'd work full time. It was, it was good. I felt um I felt like I was motivated and like I was achieving things and I felt like proud of myself. And I see lots of, lots of my colleagues, lots of my friends, pretty much a huge majority of people my age, even older than me have this like crippling debt from their education that I just don't have. I have no debt at all. And I just can't imagine, I can't imagine living with that kind of debt hanging over your head. Yeah, it's quite crazy. I will, I will attest to that, especially uh, now that with the MBA program, it gets to another another level of yeah. craziness with debt. Um, it's tricky. It's one of those things where you, you're trying to obviously, you're betting on your future and you're betting on yeah. what you're going to get out of the program. So you, you do it, but 
by no means is it a very comforting fact to know, oh, what is that? A hundred some thousand in loans? Oh, great. Like, that's wonderful. I have to pay that back eventually. Yeah, it's crazy. I was talking with one of my friends the other day and she was pointing out how most people have these huge amounts of debt from education or health or like uh, medical costs. And these two things are are free in other countries, like (laughs) some countries in Europe and you have these items free. And so people don't have this kind of mentality where it's okay to take on these massive amounts of debt because they just don't have that option to unless they're like a huge materialistic consumptionist mentality sort of person right which then yeah it's a little more difficult you, you might have some of that <laughs> yeah what is what's next for you in your career what do you want to want to do next what are you striving for in your career like what do you That's want question what do i want i always ask myself this i always try to analyze where i'm going how i'm getting there what my next step is. So I am currently in New York City. I've been here a year and a half. I think that my time here is not yet over. So I'm willing to spend a couple more years here, but realize that I don't actually want to stay here forever. I Why is that? um, I think, oh, I love California. So I feel like eventually I'll find my way back there. (laughs) But um, I think there's just more of the world out there to experience. So I'm, I'm ready to continue my journey on experiencing other lifestyles in other places, whether I'd like to live internationally again, to be honest, I would love to live in the middle East. I don't know how realistic that is right now. I mean, it might be, I work for UNICEF. I could totally find a job there. That's a good point. You have a chance (laughs) to do that through that. I I mean, I interact with and work alongside so many people from so many different countries. I should be able to find an opportunity. Um, That being said, I don't actually know. I think I'm going to, stick it out here in New York City for a little while, continue doing what I'm doing, um, balancing uh, my international development and event marketing passions and see where it takes me. Um, I love, I'm building a community for myself here. I'm having a really nice time. So um, my next step is to, <laughs> I always have problems staying still. And so I'm, my next step is to stay still <laughs> and like stay here and make a home for myself for a little while and force myself to, to make to cultivate that and then I think after that um after that I'll definitely be international again international and you mentioned Middle East why the Middle East of all the world why do you want to live there next possibly um the culture intrigues me the people also intrigue me the um lifestyle that that they grew up in I love the food I would love to learn Arabic it's um what seems like a challenge I I have Spanish down it's a little rusty right now but um it'd be fun to learn another language I've kind of been there and done that with South America um living I've lived in Argentina a little while Ecuador Peru um Spain another Spanish-speaking country so I as much as I have have such a strong love for the Latin American culture I after living in Thailand and after traveling a little bit in the Middle East I've realized that I really would love to explore those kind of cultures also Europe seems a little bit um familiar to me because Europe is pretty similar to the United States. So I don't have a huge craving to go there and I'm not obsessed with Asia, Asian culture right now. So it just seems really intriguing to maybe pursue the Middle East option. Yeah. I mean, and to your point of not trying to stay still for a while, I feel like you're not going to stay still for that long, but it'll be interesting. We'll it's a nice I'm, idea, at least, Christina. Like, we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. Because with the whole mentality of saying yes to opportunities, and like if, if an opportunity came up that said, do you want to move to Jordan? 
next month, I would definitely say yes. <laughs> right. So, and yeah, so it's a good plan, but you're also open to opportunities constantly, which has allowed you to live what it seems like a pretty darn good life. Yeah. So I would advise people probably do this the same in many ways. And I think um, even looking at my, my own things as well, like even moving to Vegas at first was because I yeah, said yes exactly. to an opportunity. And then that led to you know me being in Los Angeles now uh, from that. If I would have never said yes, I don't think I would have been compelled to get an MBA having not, you know, if I would have not gone to Las Vegas and worked with Clark Toys. So yeah, I think that was important exactly. as well. Um, yeah. When you think about like your life and your, the work you're doing, it's, it's, you mentioned in the beginning, it's kind of hard to think about the impact you're making as one person, but you still have to, you have to, you know, you still have to try obviously, but what, what do you think would make your life and your career a success? What would that look like for you? That's a good question too. Um, <laughs> let's see. I think that to find success for myself would be to have an impact on those that I love the most. So I'm, I kind of feel like I'm on the right track. I have impacted my younger siblings. My, my younger sister is one of the people that inspires me the most in the world. Danielle and she currently is right now in Patagonia, Argentina, backpacking around solo. Uh, it's really cold there. Oh, wow. It's like really hot here in New York City. It's like 92 degrees Fahrenheit. And she's <laughs> over there like bundled up in jackets, taking pictures of the glaciers. Um, so she's also been able to um, say yes to things. And she's done it in a little bit more like safe and conservative lifestyle manner than I have because I tend to be a little reckless now and then. But she's um she's just made leaps and bounds with what she's been doing. And she's a teacher. And she also, like, um, portrays this lifestyle and this mentality with her students. And she's able to – she teaches in um, lower-income communities in North Carolina. And so her impact and her reach is probably much, much bigger than mine is, influencing and shaping these young minds. So – that in itself is a small success for me, but what I see as success for myself down the road, I guess, is um, is where I'm still constantly analyzing myself and making sure that, first of all, I'm happy. I feel like before anything, you're not going to have much of an impact or feel successful if you're not happy. Like you got to you gotta make sure you have your happiness first. And I guess maybe happiness is short-lived and people sometimes refer to it as joy and they say that's a deeper thing. I'm not quite sure the difference, to be honest. But either way, I think that a constant analysis of your happiness index is really important. And then um, you can gauge your successfulness off that. Like if you're happy in your personal life, if you're happy in your professional life. So for me, I think I'd still like to be working in a capacity where I'm helping people, but I want to do it where I'm also having this fun factor of um, events or wh whatever that could be. So so I definitely want to travel and I want to help people and I want to have fun and that would be successful for me. I don't know what the title would be for that kind of job, but it's out there and I'm going to get it. Right. <laughs> but you're going to get it eventually. It, se it seems like yeah, with, with your drive and your will, it's going to happen. Um, I'm curious, have you ever thought of starting your own organization or your own like company to help people and do things because you have a lot of connections and a lot of drive it kind of in my head connecting the dots seems like that might yeah so many something. people will suggest that too I even I was at this 
event that I was um, participating in over the past couple weeks and they had tarot card readers and lots of <laughs> lots of the feedback was in regards to focusing on maybe like a side project I had been thinking about or focusing on like making my dreams come true instead of like working for other people or other organizations so it's a little strange that <laughs> exactly. um, they said all that and then I've had lots of friends mention that too where I should consider that i I don't have much interest in creating something of my own only because I feel like anything that I would create or put out there in the world has already been created and put out there or thought of or done. So I'm just going to, is it? I, yeah, mentality. well, it is. I, I have a yes, classic mentality. And so I feel like <laughs> what, what more would I contribute? Like, let's say I have friends say maybe that I should pursue being a travel blogger. But what am I going to write about that's different from the next person that's the exact same, doing the exact same thing as me and having epic experiences? Or if, I know it's not but, the exact same thing, though. Yeah, you're right. I, think, I, think <laughs> a, I get you. I get. I, I get what you're saying. I just don't like the fear Like fear <laughs> that maybe it would be too difficult and maybe okay. not successful. But I don't have a strong enough desire to do it yet. Sure. However, I'm so strong. Right. I have so many friends in the community that are like entrepreneurs or in the startup industry with various fields um i feel like it's bound to happen it's gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) it's it's gonna happen one you're not gonna be living in new york city you say you're gonna be there for a while you're gonna end up living somewhere else and starting a business in like six months like wow christina really things have have changed Exactly. Let me know. I'm only going to business school with like a few hundred other people who are like <laughs> business people. So by all means, I would love to help you out with that. Cause like I said, you do have a lot of drive. You've traveled all over the place. I remember when, when I first met you, I think, uh, so it was couch surfing in San Francisco and even from like a little like couch surfing profile, I was like, wow, she's like already doing all these different things and traveling to different places. Like <laughs> this person's going somewhere. <laughs> like I could already kind of feel it back then. And then like, you've just confirmed it over the last few years of knowing you, but like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. You're, you are making a difference. You are making an impact and you're doing stuff. And it definitely inspires people like me as well. Cause I've seen that before and be like, wow, like I need to travel some more. I need to do some more things that I want to do. And I think it's important to showcase that. And that's why I wanted to have you on. Um, because you do go after your dreams and your goals and a lot of people are hesitant or they are fearful, but, you know, saying yes to opportunities and at least being aware that you are trying to pursue certain things is helpful. And that's like the first thing is being self-aware enough to know that, yeah, like I, I do want to make an impact in this world and I do want to also have fun while I do it. Um, and then you open your eyes to when something does come up, yeah, you can just I grab it and go after it. important that people realize that if they want to do, if they want to have something happen for themselves they're the only person that can make that happen for themselves so they actually have to go out and grab life by the horns and and pursue it so like if somebody wants to do a career change or somebody wants to get somewhere in life just like baby steps you know you got to find your end goal and then take one step at a time and and you'll get there yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to in the show notes, which are justgogrind.com slash podcast. I'll link to, um, you know, any contact information you have. But is there anywhere specifically that you would like people to go to reach out to you if they want to contact you for any reason? If they want to, they could contact me by email. It's probably the best. It is. Uh, should I spell it out here or yeah, should go, I go for it? Okay, Christina, I'll link it as well. <laughs> Kristen, Christina underscore calibres at yahoo.com. 
and it's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A underscore C-A-L-A-B as in boy, R-E-S-E at Yahoo. Perfect. And then was there anything else you wanted to mention to people maybe thinking about either switching careers or not really feeling fulfilled in their current career or anything else you wanted to say? Um, I, I don't know. I, well, maybe. I I feel like there a person shouldn't feel despaired if they do want to switch careers or if they are not feeling super satisfied in their current career because it's, it's kind of normal to go through a couple of fails before you find success. You're never going to find actually what you like until you do something you don't like first. So it takes a couple efforts, I feel, to work your way up to something that actually really satisfies you on multiple levels. And sometimes things don't match up between like what you're good at or what you're doing or what the pay is. And it's hard to have it match on all levels. So just... um. I think it's helpful for people to realize that they probably have like multiple interests and multiple passions and um, maybe trying to cultivate them simultaneously might be a good option. I know that when switching careers, it's hard to kind of like quit one job and start another. But if you're able to gain some experience in another field that you're interested in pursuing simultaneously, it's, it's not impossible. There's so many hours in a day. Like, as you know, you wake up at 4 a.m. every morning, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, there's so many hours in a day that it's possible to take advantage of them and um, prioritize some other interest and build that up and to make it actually less daunting when you want to make a career change or career shift. It's it's doable. Make shit happen, right? Yeah, exactly. Make shit happen. That's all we need to say. Could have stopped right there. Make shit happen. That's all we need to do. <laughs> Christina... Thank you so much for being on. Uh, like I said, I wanted to have you on for a while. I actually was like, yeah, this is one of the top people I want because I know you've had such a tremendous amount of experience and what you're doing matters. And I think it's very inspirational to other people as well. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find the show notes over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. Support the show over at patreon.com slash just go grind and leave a rating and review in iTunes. It takes one minute or so and it would greatly appreciate it as it helps more people find the show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.